The nation mourns the passing of President George H.W. Bush, and we look at the contrarian lessons from an extraordinary life of a good and decent man on this edition of Therefore What? Therefore What? is a weekly podcast that breaks down the news while breaking down barriers, challenges you in the status quo, explores timely topics and timeless principles, and leaves you confident to face what's next. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor for the Deseret News, and this is... Therefore, what? As the 41st president of the United States of America is remembered and laid to rest, there are scores of lessons to be harvested from his life of service to country and to the cause of freedom around the world. Many have focused on his vast accomplishments as a war hero, as a businessman, as a member of Congress, director of the CIA, vice president, and ultimately president. However, the greater meaning in a most meaningful life can be found in counterintuitive moments and contrarian flashpoints that illuminated the essence of a most remarkable man. You see, leadership today is often measured by egocentric ambition, braggadocious bombast, winning at all costs, and public praise. George H.W. Bush proved something different. He proved that humility, quiet confidence, graciousness, and personal service are better measures for an authentic leader. We have great need for leadership in this country, and there are many lessons that we're going to learn today about George H.W. Bush. So let's start with lessons in winning humbly. Starting as a young 18-year-old Navy pilot, George H.W. Bush was engaged in the defense of freedom and the spread of liberty around the world. His career really really covered the arc of the great battles between Soviet-style communism and America's freedom and democratic republic form of government. He was there, up close and personal. As president, Bush was the leader of the free world when communism finally came crashing to the ground in the ash heap of history. If ever there were a time for a United States president to spike the ball, to spike the proverbial ball in the end zone, this was it. George W. Bush had been part of all of these battles. He could have celebrated. And any leader with an ego would have not only spiked the ball, but they would have danced on the grave of the defeated communist foes and started a global victory lap of epic proportions. President George H.W. Bush showed incredible restraint and great humility instead. All of Bush's top advisors urged and exhorted him to travel immediately to Europe and the crumbling wall of separation. President Bush's response? What do you want me to do? Go over there and gloat? You see, President Bush recognized that this extraordinary moment wasn't about his ego or his ambition. It was about the people, an oppressed people, people breathing the fresh air of freedom for the very first time. Bush also realized what the egocentric leader cannot and will not. And that is that such historic transformations are not about the moment. They're about building a movement and about building momentum for what comes next. I think President Bush's best work was done behind the scenes to ensure stable paths and strong support structures for fledgling democracies and for the reunification of long-divided nations. He understood that. He knew that these fledgling democracies were going to need support structures and that what they didn't need was for him to come and declare victory and act as if it was all about him. Instead, he made it all about them, which is what great leaders do. He understood and showed that humility wins with others where egocentric ambition wins over others. That difference drove George H.W. Bush. Now let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about the lessons in quiet confidence over bombast. 
Now, during his run for president, George H.W. Bush was tagged by his opposition and many in the national media as being a wimp. And I have to say the irony of labeling an extraordinary war hero as a wimp is pretty hard to imagine. But it is exactly what happened. Now, had Bush been the typical braggadocious business or political leader, he would have swung back with a vengeance. He instead responded with quiet confidence and dignity. He didn't waste a moment. He didn't waste any time or any effort or any attention worrying about what others said about him. He had a set of principles to live by and a message to convey, and he wasn't going to let any personality challenges and ego get in the way. You see, Bush 41 lived by the mantra, which I love, if you have to declare it, you aren't it. Bush recognized that if he had to say, I'm not a wimp, he just might be a wimp. More importantly, he also realized that if you have to declare that you are the bold, brash leader, you really are not the leader. Leaders who declare by their actions who they are and what they believe are more to be believed than those who try to declare and thus attempt to convince you who they are and what they believe. Quiet confidence is the ultimate sign of both wisdom and strength. Next, I want to spend a minute talking about lessons from losing with graciousness. Counterintuitively, George H.W. Bush demonstrated to the nation that many of the greatest lessons in life are discovered in defeat rather than in victory. George W. Patton is noted to have said that the real test in life is not how high you soar, but how high you bounce when you hit bottom. Uh, I think that's so true. It's so easy to judge ourselves by how high we soar in our successes, but the real test is how high do we bounce after our defeats and setbacks. Uh, George H.W. Bush understood that. Bush 41 learned tough lessons, tough lessons when he lost the GOP nomination to Ronald Reagan, but his graciousness and humility positioned him to become one of the most consequential vice presidents in our nation's history. Bush also learned the lesson after the roller coaster ride that led from his unprecedented popularity following the Gulf War to the stinging defeat he had at the hands of Bill Clinton. And that could have sent George H.W. Bush into a bitter and even permanent tailspin. The gracious leader taught the nation an important lesson in his defeat. The lesson began with the letter President Bush left in the Oval Office for incoming President Bill Clinton on Inauguration Day. Let me read a little bit of that letter. Bush wrote, There will be very tough times, made even more difficult by criticism you may think is not fair. I'm not a very good one to give advice, but just don't let the critics discourage you or push you off course. And then this, You will be our president when you read this note. I wish you well. I wish your family well. Your success now is our country's success. I'm rooting hard for you. President Bush's use of the word our is both insightful and significant. You will be our president. Your success now is our country's success. Bush's graciousness in losing was the beginning of an unparalleled partnership which produced victory for victims of natural disasters around the world. No one, and I mean no one, would have put Bill Clinton and George H.W. Bush as the ultimate tag team partners to serve suffering people after natural disasters from Hurricane Katrina to devastation in Asia and beyond. Now, both men played important roles. Bush set the stage by choosing graciousness instead of bitterness in his defeat. And that was a great lesson for all of us. They became real friends. They had a real relationship. 
But I think that began on the basis of President Bush being willing to set aside that bitterness and choose a better path that helped him and really blessed the nation. Next, I want to finish with some lessons in personal service instead of public praise. For over a decade now, presidents and presidential candidates from both political parties have been consumed with a competition of who can have the biggest campaign rally. Presidents from both parties seem obsessed with the adrenaline rush producing praise from raucous crowds in public events. Many other public officials have joined in the pursuit of applause rather than doing the hard work of public policy. Again, President George H.W. Bush showed that service to individuals is more important than public praise. In his 1988 convention speech, he said with typical George H.W. Bush self-deprecation, I may sometimes be a little awkward, but there's nothing self-conscious in my love of country. I am a quiet man, but I hear the quiet people others don't. He was quiet enough to not only hear the quiet people, but he listened long enough to know what to do to help them. He was criticized often for being out of touch with the common people during his re-election campaign. And it may have been true that he was too focused on foreign affairs instead of really zeroing in on domestic issues closer to home. But no one, no one can dispute the attention he paid to individuals from every walk of life, particularly those who needed a little lift or a little encouragement. Thousands upon thousands of handwritten notes stand as a testimony to his commitment to private service over public praise. It's interesting to me that many of those handwritten notes have reemerged since his passing, proving once again that private service outlasts the applause of public praise. The echo from such a touchpoint rings forever. Notes of all kinds are being read and reread and shared anew on television, on radio, and in papers as part of Bush 41 and his personal legacy in handwritten letters. Many Americans actually remember his Thousand Points of Lights campaign. What most didn't see was that President Bush was sending out light and hope from the point of his pen on a daily basis. George H.W. Bush was always a bit of a contrarian in his long public career, doing the unexpected or counterintuitive in order to better serve people and strengthen the nation. In doing so, he showed that humility is strength, quiet confidence beats brashness, graciousness is better than bitterness and defeat, and private service always outlasts public praise. These lessons and so many more will be points of light to a grateful nation for generations to come. Therefore, what? Well, as I've gone through the last few days and listening to all of the different tributes and the different insight from people from around the world as to what the life of George H.W. Bush really meant, there there is a host of therefore what moments in there uh, for each of us to think. And, and we really could build an entire self-development program, an entire leadership program around many of the things that he didn't declare. He never really taught them anywhere. He just lived them. And so that would be my first therefore what, is if you want to be a leader, then lead. Do the things that leaders do. Uh, it's not about proclaiming them. It's not about declaring them. It's not about positioning and posturing and personal PR. It's really about just doing it and just living. And I, I think that is one of the important therefore what's of all of us. We can talk about principles forever, but until we actually do them, 
apply them and live them, uh, we're, we're really just a lot of hot air. I do love one of the things that I think we all can take as a therefore what, and that is that George H.W. Bush, as important positions that he held, he never took himself too seriously. Uh, in fact, one of the things that I just love that came out was the relationship that he developed with comedian Dana Carvey. Now, Dana Carvey played George H.W. Bush on Saturday Night Live for years, and everyone knows what that looks like. It's not always comfortable. But as President George H.W. Bush was getting ready to leave the White House, as they had their, uh, I believe it was their Christmas uh, party for the staff at the White House, the last time, the last Christmas they would have there in the White House, uh, everyone got ready, and in comes Dana Carvey, dressed... <laughs> as George H.W. Bush, and he went right to the podium and launched into his usual thing. And uh, President Bush, I understand, was just standing at the back <laughs> against a wall, uh, laughing very hard. Uh, in fact, I think uh, Dana Carvey actually broke character at one point. He says, you guys have to understand how weird this is <laughs> to do this with him standing at the back of the room. And they developed this great friendship. It was okay. It was okay to, to, to laugh and to look at the lighter side of a lot of the things. Too often we hyperventilate. Uh, about the political battles of our day. And we, we really need to learn to just step back and, and uh, have a good laugh about it. Never take ourselves too serious, because uh, often that uh, wears us down to the point that we can't think straight <laughs> about anything else. If we're always offended, if we're always angry, if we're always filled with angst and frustration about what someone else is saying, we're not in a good space. And if we're not in a good space, we can't lead and we can't serve and we can't make a difference the way that we want to. I would challenge you for uh, another couple of uh, therefore what's, and that is what are you going to teach your children uh, about George H.W. Bush? Funerals will happen. He will be laid to rest. And will that be the end? Uh, somebody once said that we honor best those who have gone before by living our lives with excellence today. And that's a good test. I, I hope everyone takes some time with your children, your grandchildren, the people that you care about. And I don't, I don't care if you liked his politics or hated his politics. I don't care if you are left or right, uh, liberal or conservative or anywhere in between. The question is, what are the principles and who lives them and why? And what can we take from that? It's easy to focus on his accomplishments. He was clearly probably the most qualified president this country has ever had. His life of experience really led to that point. But that really wasn't what it was all about. He's probably also the most consequential one-term president this country has ever had. What he did in bringing the Cold War to a close, launching a new generation of freedom around the world, uh, will live on for a long, long time. But far more important than even that is the, the daily lessons the little things uh, that we so often talk about. It's the little things that, that make the difference everywhere. My last, therefore, what is that he was always ready. Somebody once said, opportunity always favors the prepared mind. Opportunity always favors the prepared. And George H.W. Bush was always prepared for his moment. Uh, we've talked on this program before about uh, Churchill's great quote about to every person there comes that moment when they're figuratively tapped on the shoulder and given the opportunity to do something special, unique to them and fitted to their talent. And then Churchill cautioned, what a tragedy if that moment finds them unwilling or unprepared for what could have been their finest hour. George H.W. Bush had a lot of finest hours. Why? Because he was willing to do the hard work and heavy lifting that happens before the finest hour can begin. And that's the test. 
And that's the challenge. George H.W. Bush will be remembered in the history books. More importantly, he will be remembered uh, in the hearts and minds of many who were influenced by this gentle, kind, and very decent man who showed some very contrarian lessons, especially how to lose graciously, how to live with dignity, and how to serve and make a difference for others. Remember, after the story is told, after the principle is presented, after the discussion and debate have been had, the question for all of us is, therefore what? Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you're listening today. And be sure to rate this episode and leave us a review. Follow us on DeseretNews.com slash podcast and subscribe to our newsletter. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor for the Deseret News. Thanks for engaging with us on Therefore What?